Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wholehearted Loving. I'm Stephanie. Hi, I'm Georgiana. Hello. <laughs> I think we're both feeling a bit boppy right now. We're going to be talking today about <laughs> when we don't know things and when we feel stupid. Never happens to me. No, no, I remember. <laughs> it's never happened. <laughs> That's the whole point of this conversation. Oh, <laughs> uh, so first let's start with a little body-based self-connection practice, which specifically we can employ when we've got that hot shame rising, feeling stupid, feeling like we don't know something. All right. That hot shame rising. Yeah. I think we all know that feeling. Um, let's feel butt on the seat or feet on the floor or both. Notice your breath. Um, you may know this as a butterfly hug. You may have done a version of this, but um, we're going to cross our right. Uh, how do you describe this stuff? I'm, I don't have the words. Oh, boy. Okay. You're making an eagle out of your hands. That's not a great description. You're going to put your hands on your chest one crossing the other with your thumbs interlinked and your fingertips pointing outward, like towards your armpits. Yes. Okay. And if you need another description, let me see if I can describe it a different way. If you put your arms out with your palms facing you, cross your arms and make an X, link your thumbs up, and let this butterfly or eagle <laughs> land on your chest. Mm-hmm. Butterfly-eagle. <laughs> a butterfly-eagle? Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so take a moment to feel how this holding feels for you. Notice what happens to your breath. Feeling your arms on your body in this way. And then we get to let this butterflegal start flapping <laughs> one wing at a time. So we're going to alternate tapping with each hand. We're going to tap. It's a gentle tap. And you can play with the pace. You could speed it up and see how that feels. Your body is going to let you know in its own way which pace feels just right. It's like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Which bed is just right? I'd encourage you to slow it down intentionally as well, like really, really slow. And also notice how that feels. And then find your sweet spot. Notice what that sweet spot is for the pace of the tapping. And we have committed to recording a podcast, so we're going to need to stop this. <laughs> You could continue, or I mean, you could. We could continue, but that feels awkward for me to talk and do this. So I'm gonna very clever one. This is clever on so many levels. This is 
activating different parts of our brain. It's crossing the midline. It's linking and self-connecting at the same time. Yeah. Wow. Can you talk a little bit about what's happening for us physiologically as we're doing this particular movement? Well, I think you just spoke a lot to it, right? When you cross the midline, that allows, you know, some regulation to happen with the nervous system. Um, there's something, do you feel the pressure of your thumbs pressing against each other? Mm -hmm. Right? There's something about that. I think the fancy word is like proprioceptive input. You feel the pressure and that pressure does something for your system. And then there's a, just a hold in general, like the hold is like bringing care to ourselves, right? As babies were held. And the hold also brings a sense of that containment. Like if we're swirling with big feelings or lots of thoughts or big sensations, it can feel like we're all over the place. So this kind of holding can feel like a containment. A lot of people who experience anxiety will say feel it in the top half of my body and I feel in the front mm -hmm. and so this is applying some really lovely touch to that front top half of the body mm -hmm. and then when we add the tapping it's another layer of proprioceptive input like touch mm -hmm. it's a layer of like that rhythmic feeling it's the little thud and thump mm -hmm. that mimics maybe like a mother's heartbeat mm -hmm. rhythmic sound so a lot and then you could even like supersize it like add, you know i see your body moving side to side mm -hmm. right so you could add some either side to side rocking and swaying some people might enjoy a front and back swaying these are all things that we offer babies when they're having a hard time. Okay. And so we're, we offer ourselves when we're having a hard time. Yes. Yep. Wow. Thank you. I love that one. Damn. Okay. That feels like such a perfect combination of self-soothing tools and physical movements specifically for that hot, horrid feeling of when I feel stupid and ashamed and like I should know something that I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or I said something dumb. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> I said something dumb that's so subjective, but yeah. when I'm shaming myself for saying something, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So what you're saying is you have felt stupid at some point in your life, huh? I have, and then I've pretended that I'm not stupid. <laughs> because feeling stupid feels so yucky, and having you think I'm stupid would be even worse. Mm -hmm. So I would mask it. I would mask it. And so this is specifically reminds me of my experiences. You know, English was my second language i didn't learn english until kindergarten we spoke cantonese at home and we listened to cantonese radio and tv and in grade one i was in language arts because they didn't have english as a second language at the time and i think i always felt 
a bit um, insecure about my vocabulary and my parents didn't speak English at home. So I wasn't learning through them. And often people would use these words that I didn't understand. And I can remember this at various stages of my life when I was a little kid, but also as I got older as a teenager, as a young adult, and having this feeling of like, I have no idea what they're saying. I don't know what that word means at all. And often I could figure it out with context. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what I was aware of is behind this shell, this facade, where my face looks like I get you, is this internal experience of, I don't know what they're saying. I hope I, they can't tell I don't know what they're saying. Can I quickly sort of figure it out and piece it together? Like So all of that is happening and this, I hope they don't find out. And it was never in my mind an option to say, I don't understand that word. Could you explain it to me? Or what does that word mean? Because that felt like horrifying to have to admit that I didn't understand, that I didn't know. And it would touch on one of my deepest insecurities of being different and being, you know, in my mind, not as good as yeah. others. Well, and like by the time that you come to the point in this less than a second, maybe interaction, your body has already basically shut down, right? You're in this space of, I don't know, there's a mystery that is unsolvable right now. And then you're scrambling to make up a story of what it might mean. Like you're, you're occupied. I'm totally not present with the person. Like the conversation is like way past at that point. And then, so there's that too. Like I'm trying to figure that out, but I'm also trying to follow the rest of it. And so a lot is going on and outwardly, I look peaceful and calm and smiley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my my housemate currently is a bit mysterious. And I've noticed there will be times where I have a question maybe and the answer still leaves a mystery to me. So I actually experienced this yesterday where I had that, oh, I don't know, and there's some unknowable thing right now and it was this sensation of sort of a bottom falling out like a chasm in a way like that's the inner sensation I'm experiencing um but that is not the same as the pairing it with feeling like I should know and then mm. feeling stupid kind of experience as well you want to talk more about that yeah um I think in I had a lot of old patterning running in my mind of what I thought I should know. Essentially, I thought I should know everything. And, you know, I never felt like at home it was okay or encouraged to say, I don't know. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't feel that there was an invitation for that. I also don't think that, and I'm generalizing here, but in my experience of a Chinese upbringing, that's not the type of conversations we had. And I actually spoke about this with a friend of mine the other day in the lacrosse arena and in the stands. And I had watched this friend of mine interact with her mother at another game. 
And I was like, oh, how cool. Like they like just converse. They talk about all sorts of things that excite them, you know, what they're doing in their careers. And maybe this sounds really basic to people who have this kind of relationship with their parents. But it made me realize I'm like, I don't think I've ever really had many conversations with my parents. Like the conversations are more of them sharing, be careful about this. What about this? You know, are you doing this? Are you taking care of yourself in this way? They were, you know, as an adult, they're more like wanting to make sure I'm okay kind of conversations, um, reminders of things to be aware of. Um, as a kid, it was probably more instructions or like criticisms or pointing out things that weren't being done right or done well. I don't really recall us conversing about ideas and opinions and things like that. And so included in that, I don't recall really feeling a comfort in saying, oh, I don't know this or I don't understand this. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, so I, it's funny because I, I have, I feel deeply like I've never felt stupid in word ways and book ways, mm -hmm. but I've felt deeply stupid like socially. Mm. Like I don't understand what the hell is going on. Uh, mm -hmm. The way I grew up, like I can remember there was always lots and lots of books grandma who was like a teacher and a, a perpetual student and an avid reader would have notes in the margins she'd be looking up words and I, you know from my perspective she knew every word but she was still looking up words and mm -hmm. if you'd go to my parents with a question they didn't know they would say oh I don't know let's go find out so I always had this feeling that I could do that and I could like shepherd people in that way but it's the social confusion when I don't understand what the hell's going on with the people around me. Mm. That's when I feel deeply stupid. My my wounds are more right. around that feelings of exclusion socially as a kid. That's really neat to notice because, again, maybe not surprisingly, I feel the opposite. <laughs> I feel like uh, I have felt stupid more often in not knowing and understanding words and things like Shakespeare and all that kind of stuff poetry like doesn't make sense in my mind um okay <laughs> and you know um and like there will be knowledge things that I have deemed myself to like that I should know them and I don't and socially I've always felt like I get this this makes sense to me this is easeful for me Mm, yeah yeah I mean I I also felt not good enough in many ways socially but also like it all made sense to me but how about mm -hmm. interesting then for some reason this is also making me think of when we do know but we pretend we don't or we doubt our knowledge or mm, yes yeah yeah. When we, you said when we do know and we pretend we don't, the first thing that came up is of like, I need to practice that more because there are lots of instances where I do know a lot of things. And 
it's not helpful. Like, it's not necessary for me to add it. Like, it's nice for other people to chime in and other people to come to it themselves. So that's been something I've been practicing of, like, not filling that space just because I do know and letting other people sort of sit in that figuring it out or letting someone else who maybe wouldn't normally chime in, chime in. So that's something that I'm practicing. But the other piece of that of, um, I think you, you were talking about not giving ourselves credit for what we do know. Mm-hmm. I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I'm, sometimes I forget how much I do know and how helpful what I do know is. Because I'm such a learner. I'm always like interested in learning the next layer of it, the deeper parts of it. And I think like, I'm like, oh, that other stuff that I've accumulated over decades, that's just simple and basic. That's not valuable to anyone. (laughs) The more we know, the more we realize we don't know. So that creates a little conundrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I experienced both of those pieces. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I've, I think we've talked about this before that I've been a huge know-it-all uh, in a good way and in a bad way. And I think when I started my career in social work is kind of when I started making space for other people. I remember working in this drop-in center for at-risk youth, and it quickly became inappropriate for me to, like, A, win all the board games and B, interject <laughs> my knowledge everywhere, you know, just just know. Um so yeah, nice to make some space there and to discover how much I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a process. And so I would actively practice the things that felt uncomfortable for me. Some of the things, some of the things that felt uncomfortable for me were in the moment to say, I don't know and I don't understand. Mm-hmm. So I remember being very deliberate about catching those moments and like feeling the discomfort rise inside of me because those would have been moments where historically I would have gone into my swirling pattern and trying to pretend like everything's all fine but just to like pause the conversation and say like I have no idea what that means what does that mean Mm -hmm. and like shift into that new pattern and see that like I don't die and the relationship is fine and the conversation continues that was big for me. Yeah, I think there can be a sense of urgency, artificial urgency that we insert in these, in, you know, conversations and human interactions generally. But it's almost always okay to pause and take a moment. I think we rarely give ourselves that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've been practicing that. And the, the other extreme, the other end of the spectrum I'm practicing noticing when I might say I don't know, when maybe I do. And so pausing and seeing, you know, um, I work with a lot of people who have sort of that pattern. They're just programmed. It's so automatic. I've had, I don't know if you've had conversations like that with people where anything you ask them about a preference, about what they want, what they desire, you know, what has been helpful, they what they like, what they don't like, yeah. 
everything is met with, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know. And I love helping someone become aware of that in a really loving, playful way. And then we, you know, if they're open to it, we practice and we practice really being in the body and listening and pausing. And what I found every time is they know. They know or they know some part of it. Yeah. Yeah, and, who knows, right? Right. We're just afraid to say or we don't know how to articulate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that thing, too, of separating the fear from what they know, to be able to say, I'm scared to say that I know mm-hmm. that I want X, Y, Z. Yeah. And um, it's a really amazing shift to see in people when they identify themselves. It's not just that I notice it or others notice it. They identify themselves with, well, I never know. I don't know the answer. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I like. I don't know what I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there are areas of our lives where we feel very comfortable knowing and expressing and areas where we don't. Like before we got on the call, we were talking about this a little bit and I was saying that in meetings, if somebody uses a word that I can see somebody else doesn't know, I'll ask them to define the word even if I know what it means. And that would give the impression that I'm you know, super confident, not afraid to say I don't know, which in that case is true. But in other places like the, you know, the social confusion, it will bring up that hot shame feeling Mm -hmm. of not knowing and that, that deep confusion. So I want people to connect with the different parts of themselves in these ways, you know, areas where they do feel like they know um, Mm -hmm. and are comfortable sharing because that will be somewhere. Yes. Right. I like to use this prompt. And, you know, you and I, whenever we facilitate groups, we usually offer prompts for people to use that explore the duality and the spectrum of the experience. Right. So something I know is and something I don't know is. And it's such a neat discovery. And it's also a practice of really owning the things we know and feeling a sense of like pride and acknowledgement and owning that there's also things we do not know and things we do not know right now and we may know later or things we do not know and will never know or have no interest in knowing and all of that is okay yeah so then this is also making me think of the difference um how do i describe this there are some things we expect each other to not know and then some things we're shocked that each other doesn't know you know and then that brings up a whole new layer of hot shame because you're like oh I'm, in my world it's okay to not know this and for you it's wild that I don't know this and like it just brings you back into this childlike feeling so the duality there of um, you know I think I said a few weeks ago that we're all playing this particular role in the symphony and there are things that are going to feel good to us or bad to us that are going to seem normal or weird to other people and all of those things are happening at the same time and we're growing our capacity to be with all of those things internal and external yep i noticed that 
when I became more accepting of the things that I know and things I don't know, the things I understand, the things I don't understand, I'm just a much better friend and partner because if some, if the other person doesn't know or doesn't understand, I'm not coming with all this layers of judgment because I can see that common humanity of like, oh, I, there's stuff I don't know too. And there's stuff I don't understand also. And this is one of those things for you. And that's okay. Even the concept of understanding, like when we, we think about science or math or the things we've been taught, like, do you know there's a new math? I just thought it was just math. And then you find out like, oh, actually all of the the medical wisdom, oops, we're all wrong. All of the things we thought were facts are no longer facts. It's like we're living in a microcosm of this much larger structure that we think is so firm and stable and is not. You know, there's we don't know a damn thing. There, there's uncertainty everywhere. All we know is that we don't know. And We've spent thousands of years trying to make sense of all of the things that we can touch and feel, feel and see, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you said that, it made me think of how much time and energy we have wasted shaming ourselves for not knowing and not understanding. Yeah, and for ridiculing others for their understanding or misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. What a grand squandering and also <laughs> what a necessary thing for human evolution. You know, this is just what's happening. This is, this is where we're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we get to learn how to feel and hold ourselves through all of this stuff. That's pretty neat. And be kind, right? That there's, everybody experiences it. Uh, this is actually what was an interesting experience for me. I lived for seven years in the Netherlands, and I think culture plays a role in this as well. Because in the Netherlands, I didn't get that sense. Like, I I would, like, it felt like it was fine for people to say, I don't know, I don't understand, I made a mistake. Mm. Like, there was just this acceptance of, like, the human experience. Mm. That you don't have to be ashamed of that, and you can actually say that out loud. It doesn't matter... And I worked in a corporate setting at that time. It didn't matter if you were like the, the you know, partners, like the most senior people. You would hear them saying, I don't know. I don't understand. This doesn't make sense to me. I made a mistake. And I was shocked. I was like, what is this? Here I worked in the corporate world in North America where it was we never call problems problems. They're always opportunities. And we never tell a client we don't know. We'd say, I'll get back to you with that information. What a great question. Let me go yeah. find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And that was such a great experience for me to see how else it could be done. Yeah. I remember one of the first times I witnessed that out in the world. I was living in Toronto. So I'm from Vancouver, where my experience was that you you had to know. And I arrived in Toronto, and I was maybe in a, a subway station. And they they had passes in some way. I don't know that there's an attendant in a booth, and maybe you show them a card. This was not what I was doing. Somebody else was doing it. Uh, and this kid went by, and the attendant was like, hey, come back here. Like, show me that card. It was clear that she thought that it was like a forged or a fake card or something. 
And the kid just came back and showed it to her. And when I heard this, I was like, oh God, something's going to happen now. But what ended up happening was that the kid just came back with no attitude at all. He, he didn't feel like he was being challenged. He just felt like, you want to see my card again? And then she went, oh, my bad. Great. Go ahead. And it was like a, such a diffusing internally of this challenge that I expected them to be issuing to each other. They just didn't. Mm-hmm. Neat, right? Neat. I, I always encourage people, if you have the opportunity, go live somewhere else for a while. Because it, it helped me see like a new normal. Like normal is all subjective and relative. And it was so neat to get to experience a different way of thinking, a different way of being. And then to like take the things I love about each of these places and and sort of live more by them in my own life. Yeah, right. Perception is everything. You get to decide what pieces you want to carry with you. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. What, what is that? You know, you said in social situations, you experience not knowing. It doesn't make sense. What are some examples of that? Well, so I like feel and see energy, you know, like I can see pretty clearly what's happening for people underneath at areas where maybe they don't know or don't want to know. Um, I also use words quite literally, and I also have infant-sized ear canals that are sometimes plugged, so sometimes I can't hear as well, maybe. Um, and or I'm just focusing on different things. So there are people with whom I feel the same vibe and wavelength, and then there are people with whom I don't, right? So when I'm in that don't space, I can feel a bit of drift and not understand it's as though i'm in someone else's inside joke and i just am out of the joke and don't understand what's going on right and so what was that experience like in the past and what is that experience like now mm, in the past so my brain goes right to elementary school where i had a few friends that i felt the vibe with and mostly not and I think I had a big presence and energy and was a smart know-it-all. So that also attracted some unpleasant vibes. Um, and I felt super excluded and sad. I felt very sad. Yeah. I think now... I, I often don't want to be included. Like, I I want to be invited, but I don't want to be there. So that's such a stuff that's I'm like, that's stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it feels it's accurate wonderful. description. You know? Yeah. I have friends now where I can say, like, please, please invite me to the places. Like, I love that. I don't want to go and I won't go, but I, it will hurt me if I'm not invited. And I love the feeling of being invited. So and they're like, great, we can do that. Um. But now I experience it sort of like a, a frequency. Like it's, it's now it's easy for me to get along with people. Um, you know, I don't have the feeling like in elementary school, I felt like people didn't like me. I no longer have that feeling. Um, 
it's all it's more like a disinterest it's like i i lose interest instead of feeling excluded um mm-hmm. like oh this is not my vibe i don't understand what's going on here i'm just gonna go do something else you know this i wish that so many young people learned earlier is to like find your people right instead of focusing on i mean of course it doesn't feel good to be actively excluded and if especially if there's a meanness to it but also like beyond that there's i think as kids we can sense energy and we can sense where we feel like this is these are our people and sometimes we try so hard to fit in with the people who either have no interest in us or we sense that, that they might not be our people anyways, but we really want to be liked so badly and like, you know, fit in that we focus on trying to just make that work. And it, it makes such a difference to help children honor that inner knowing of how to how to sense and feel who their people are who are the people who invite you in with open arms Mm -hmm. and I remember working interning with a child psychologist in the Netherlands and he was adamant about this when he worked with parents said you must teach your children to find their people because they will always find at least one person if they cast their net wide enough, mm-hmm. right? Because the alternative is they will, like you, like you experience, they will believe that they are excluded and feel excluded. And that will be this perpetual experience they have because they haven't had practice and encouragement and support to find their people. Yeah, which means being exclusive sometimes you know and we're taught that that's the wrong thing to do but that's how we end up you know when we're inviting people we don't actually feel like we want to be with um yeah it's a dangerous game trying to include for the sake of inclusion we really lose track of what's true for us in the process of doing that and i think like there's so much value in kindness and care Right. And this is, I think, a whole nother conversation when it comes to inclusion and exclusion and finding your people and being kind and respectful. Um, but yeah, I just I just want people to embrace who you are and find your people. Find your people. Right. There's people who I love and respect and like and I just don't have a vibe with, you know, like. We love each other so happy to see each other and also we don't really have anything to say to each other and uh, the hanging out vibe doesn't feel true you know really important to know those differences i think when i was younger i thought that if that vibe existed it meant that we were supposed to do everything together yes mm. yes yeah and love everything about each other yeah. and think the same way about everything yeah that's a big topic yeah Yeah. and like i don't know why this this uh yeah this is so relevant i think in friendships in dating and like like you said you can feel really drawn to someone and appreciate so much about them and that might be it 
you might have no desire to take it beyond that. And I think when we're not very practiced yet, we can take that so personally. Yeah. Well, well, especially when you have that experience with some people or when that's your family experience. You know, my my family, my parents have always been married as far as I know. And so when I was out looking for people, like that was the model. It was like, oh, you find your person and that, whoop, you know, that's it. A couple of magnets together forever. <laughs> um, yeah, we're all going to have different experiences. I feel like we should talk about that in a separate episode. I agree. Expectations of relationships. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love you. Do you have a closing practice you want to do? I have a closing reminder I want to offer. Let it be okay if you don't know something. And let it be okay if you don't understand something. And also explore the idea that maybe you know and understand more than you give yourself credit for. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I My body's already doing it, so I'm just going to follow my body, which is just finding a gentle sway. Right. So again, finding that anchor for me, I, I'm pushing my toes into the ground and my body naturally wanted to sway left and right. And what you can play with here is range of motion and speed. So changing up the range of motion to notice where the sweet spot is and changing up the speed to notice where the sweet spot is. And I particularly like, practice like practices like this as a reminder and it symbolizes in life we can feel pulled in so many directions and at everyone else's pace. And it's nice to bring awareness to what pace feels good for me. Right. And we won't always be able to honor that pace. There will be, you know, exceptions and situations where we might have to go at a pace that isn't our ideal and preferred. But there are many, many opportunities where we could recalibrate and adjust the pace that to something that fits better for us in that moment. And we're just programmed to follow someone else's pace. Yeah. We feel stupid if we don't. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you, Gigi. Anything else you want to say before we sign up? No, I think that's good. Feels good to leave it there. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will see you next week. As always, please like, follow, and subscribe. And if anything we've said here today has been helpful for you, please share with somebody that you care about. See you next time. Bye.